0: Well, hi, everyone, and welcome. We have award-winning author Jennifer Turlick. She has written a book called How to Figure Out What to Do with Your Life. And can't we all use that, right? Um, World-renowned Deepak Chopra calls the book an amazing and brilliant instruction manual on how to find purpose, build a career, and live a life of fulfillment. And that means a lot coming from Deepak Chopra. Perfect timing, though, for the release, Jennifer, as COVID-19 has changed so much for so many. Was there anything in the timing of it or just
1: coincidence? It actually happened to be just coincidence. I started writing the book a number of years ago, and we had everything set to go uh, before COVID hit, but it just so happens that this seems to be one of the most major kind of times where people are rethinking how they want to consider their career selection in terms of finding something that aligns with their core values. So it's really interesting timing and we're, we're seeing a lot of interest for it, which is cool.
0: We could almost argue that you set a very strong, powerful connection aligned with the universe and manifested it. We could
1: say that, yeah, <laughs> yes indeed. So
0: this is just, this is eight years really in the
1: making. Absolutely. When I first quit my corporate job to try and figure out what I wanted to do next, that was in 2010, or 2011, actually. And I quit, flew to Silicon Valley, started my self-education journey of trying to figure out what I wanted to do next with my life. And then in 2012, I, I wrote a Forbes article about uh, my experience with that, and then have been working on the book kind of since then. So yeah, it's it's really exciting that it's, uh, that it's finally coming out.
0: What was it that actually prompted you to write the Forbes article of your experiences?
1: Well, a number of people were asking me about the experience that i would had doing this self-education journey in Silicon Valley, which for those that don't know was basically, I wasn't sure what to do next after I was super dissatisfied in my corporate job. And I flew there. I thought maybe there's someone there who might be able to help me figure that out. And I started cold emailing people, including entrepreneurs, investors, and professors to ask them more about how they figured out what they were gonna do with their lives. And a number of them were willing to meet with me, which was really exciting. And I had the opportunity to do informational interviews or shadows um, with people, including the founders of Airbnb and Kiva and uh, Square and a number of other companies. And that really helped me narrow down and figure out what I wanted to do with my life. And then I sort of had told a couple of people about this process and they were like, how did you do that? They were really curious to learn more. And so that's why I decided to put it into an article. And I thought it would be really interesting to experiment with writing for a publication like Forbes. Actually, one of the people that I cold emailed and met with I'd found her on Twitter and she'd written a number of things for Forbes and Business Insider. And when I met up with her, I asked her how she did that and she explained it to me. And then I followed a similar process because I thought it'd be really interesting to to try it out. And it was a really cool experience. So what was it
0: do you think that truly resonated with the readers of that Forbes article, which truly went
1: viral? 1.5 million to 2 million views on that article? Yeah, it was really interesting because that's a lot higher than the average Forbes article, which can sometimes be in the thousands of views. So I think what resonated with people was in school education, there's often not a really good lessons on how to select your career. It's more about getting a job, any job, and it's a question that people have a hard time really figuring out. And I found out in my research that actually over 80% of people are dissatisfied with their careers. So it's a problem that a lot of people face. And I think that's part of why it became popular. And I think another aspect to it was the the, um, company that I worked with, or that was called The Muse. That's who I wrote the initial article with and they put it on Forbes. And they had titled it without me knowing uh, how I figured out what to do with my life. And it turns out that a lot of people Google the search term, uh, (laughs) how to figure out what to do with my life. So every couple of months, it it keeps going around the internet and and going viral once again. And I've had hundreds of emails from readers about it actually asking for more information. and, And that was kind of why I wanted to write the book. And I think some of the aspects of the article that resonated were The idea of, instead of, for example, just trying to get any job, trying to prototype different options to figure out what you might like best versus which job will take you.
0: And did you go into detail in that article on any one of the shadow experiences that you had with one of these Silicon Valley entrepreneurs, maybe one in which there might've been some sort of shocking moment or aha moment for you? Yeah, I actually,
1: yeah, for sure. I actually uh, wrote another article that, that may have been linked to from that Forbes article about kind of a shocking moment in the experience for me which was when I had the opportunity to shadow Matt Flannery of Kiva which is a really awesome startup and company that uh, provides micro loans to entrepreneurs in developing countries. And each of the entrepreneurs that I met up with or shadowed, um, there were a number of them and they, they ranged in like how long I was able to shadow with them and also um, how they wanted to go about it. Like for some, it was I was there for a week and I was doing admin work to help them out. Uh, But in Matt Flannery's case, he decided to take the idea of shadowing very literally. And he had me follow him around and (laughs) sit in the corner of the room in his meetings. And when people would ask, like, who's this? He said, oh, don't talk to her. She's my shadow for the day. She's like an anthropological observer. And at lunch, uh, this was the surprising moment was He said, okay, now we're going to go to this park. So we walked to this park in San Francisco near the office. And he said, this is one of the most important parts of my day. It's when I go to this fountain and I sit quietly and contemplate things and contemplate life. So at the time I wasn't, this was a number of years ago. And at the time I wasn't that experienced with uh, mindfulness or into mindfulness and, and that was a great introduction to how critical it can be to some of the world's most powerful people. I think that fountain of
0: contemplation is so incredibly important. Um, you know, So walk us through that fountain of contemplation um, and, and what led you to actually decide on the career change and starting uh, Maker Kids from meeting with all of those amazing folks um, bring us to that aha moment where you said, this is my life. This is my career.
1: Yeah, for sure. So it was, I, yeah, I was quite dissatisfied in my corporate job. I'd started, you started into university thinking I wanted a, some sort of humanitarian job afterwards. Like when I was in high school, that's what I wanted. But somehow in university, Perhaps it was all the companies doing on-campus recruiting. I'm not sure, but I kind of got swept up into this notion that maybe what I wanted to do was um, marketing for a consumer packaged goods company. Um, and so that's, that's what I ended up doing. Um, but I quickly found myself, like once I was out of that university environment, dissatisfied and remembering back to some of my areas of interest, like humanitarianism. But I wasn't exactly sure which way I wanted to go about it. Did I want to start a nonprofit, start a for-profit, join a for-profit or nonprofit? If so, what size, what type of role, become a venture capitalist, angel investor? I wasn't really sure. There were so many different options and I couldn't figure it out. So I tried figuring it out on the side of my work, um, but I found that I was quite tired often and couldn't really devote good energy to it. And then I actually applied to this competition to shadow an angel investor in Silicon Valley. And I was selected as a finalist for it. And he and his team said, okay, you can either do the interview in person or virtually. And then the shadow position, which was gonna be two weeks, would start like a week later. And so at that point I thought, and maybe this is crazy looking back, but maybe not. I thought, okay, well, if I get selected, I'm either gonna have to um, like fly there. Well, I knew I wanted to do the interview in person. And I thought if I wanna do that, I'm gonna have to like fly there, fly back, then fly there again uh, if I got it. And I, I thought, well, I've been wanting to quit anyway. People have been telling me Silicon Valley is so cool. Like I'd visited for a week and I thought it was amazing. So. Yeah, I just went for it and and quit. And I I flew there with a one-way ticket. And then when I met with him, uh, I did not get the shadow position, but I still thought it was like a really cool environment and opportunity. And I sort of leveraged that like title, so to speak, of being a, a finalist for shadowing him to help secure some of these other shadow experiences, while also sending out emails without that to sort of test the process and realizing that I could get, um, or anyone could really get meetings with cool people without you know any sort of uh, background, it seems, like people are really willing to share their knowledge. So I just started cold emailing anyone that I thought seemed interesting. And one of the first people who I met with was a fellow named John Crumboltz, who is a professor of career counseling at Stanford, and he teaches career counselors how to do career counseling. And when I met with him, I said, hey, John, uh, I can't really figure out what to do with my life. You know, what, what should I do? And he told me, he has a really cool background. He's done so many different careers, like at least, I think 20, everything from postman to professor, And he said, well, you should try and figure out, like, what are the key options that you're interested in, and then try and prototype them, like, figure out how you can try them out in small ways. So instead of just thinking, oh, maybe I'm interested in law school, and then spending six years devoted to becoming a lawyer, and then realizing on your first day that you may not like it, he suggested, you know, if someone was interested in being a lawyer, they could try and find a lawyer that they could do an informational interview with or spend a day shadowing with. So he advised me to try and identify my top options and then figure out ways to prototype them. So then I started emailing people in the areas that I was interested, which were, uh, like I mentioned, join or start a for-profit or a non-profit. And I wasn't sure about what company size and whether I wanted to be a venture capitalist. So I just started emailing people within each of those categories and asking if I could meet with them and learn more from them. And so I ended up getting to meet with some really cool people uh, like the founders of Airbnb and and Square. And I also audited classes at Stanford with the permission of the instructors um, because at Stanford, they were teaching some really cool classes like on nutrition, happiness, mindfulness, which hadn't been taught at my university. And I also went to a number of uh, conferences and talks and volunteered at conferences and even lived in a co-housing place with a number of Stanford students and alumni. So it was a very cohesive all-around learning experience. And then from all those experiences, I sort of narrowed down okay, I think I wanna try you know, some time with a small nonprofit or a couple small nonprofits, a couple big for-profits and a small for-profit. And then I arranged shadow experiences with those uh, types of companies by cold emailing folks. And I set up a little package that pitched why it would be beneficial for the company for me to spend some time shadowing there. Um, everything, you know, offering opportunities like doing admin work to an opportunity for folks to reflect on why they would made their career choices. And then a number of companies said yes. So then I shadowed at, I think it was uh, five companies, so the Stanford Design School, as well as Causes, Kiva, one called uh, Dojo, And then I also, and a couple others, and then I also had those uh, meetings with the CEOs that I mentioned. And from there, I narrowed down that I wanted to do a social, a small social impact for-profit company that would sort of give back proceeds to charitable causes. And, but I still wasn't sure what kind. And amidst this I got into two programs. The first was Startup Chile, which is a really cool program in Chile where they find and select foreign entrepreneurs to go live and work there on business ideas. So I started doing that and started prototyping various different business ideas. And then midway through that, I got into a program called Singularity University Mm -hmm. based at NASA where they teach about exponential technologies and how to apply them to areas like poverty and education. And during that program, they said, okay, so these are the sort of 10 global grand challenges that we're looking at or considering, including things like poverty, water and education. And we invite you to choose which one or ones are most important to you. And I did a lot of reflecting on that. And I'd come across this quote from Nelson Mandela that said that um, education is the biggest weapon that you can use to transform the world. And I thought that was a really neat way of thinking about things. And I thought if I were to be able to make an impact with education, then perhaps that could level up all those other different areas like poverty and water if I was able to educate people in a way that better enabled them to tackle those issues. And I thought it would be really cool to have a program like Singularity, but for kids. And so that's how I got started with Maker Kids, wanting to provide programs for kids that taught them technologies like coding, robotics, and Minecraft. And with the hope that they might use those or apply those to make big changes in the world and reflecting on things, I realized I'd had an experience when I was 12, where I coded a website for a book report about Harry Potter that got a good mark. And, you know, was cool. My teacher had said to do a website as an enrichment project, and then I sort of forgot about it. And a couple of months later, my brother came down the stairs holding a magazine and said, Jen, did you code a website about Harry Potter? And I said, yeah, why? And he said, well, it's featured in this magazine. And it said, this is the most comprehensive Harry Potter image website on the internet, which was hilarious because, you know, I didn't know anything about copyright law or anything at that time. I just stolen all sorts of pictures off the internet. But anyway, it was a very empowering moment for me and it made me realize I could do anything and that I could be a leader and make things other people could use. And it helped, it just helped me become more engaged with school. And I thought it would be cool to provide an opportunity like that for more kids. And I also learned that folks like Steve Jobs and Bill Gates and the founders of Google all had pretty heavy exposure to technology through clubs, or um, computers their parents had bought them as kids. And that, you know, that they credited that as a key part of their success. So those were all reasons why I wanted to get started with Maker Kids. And it was sort of, it, it just sort of took off and, and it's been really rewarding and exciting. And, you know, not, not every day is rainbows, of course. I think that's the case with any career, but I find myself much happier and much more satisfied Uh, than I was in my corporate career. So I'm happy about that. This obviously wasn't an overnight process. How
0: long did this take? And not everyone, you have to recognize, not everyone has this kind of time, right? Especially if they have to, they're working paycheck to paycheck. But how
1: long did it take? (laughs) Absolutely, so I I quit in mid 2011 and then I started doing my self-education journey for a couple of months then. And then in early 2012 was when I started prototyping different businesses with the funding and backing of that startup Chile program. And I got started with Maker Kids in 2013. So I guess all in all, including a fair amount of, you know, paid entrepreneurial and consulting work over, those, over that time, it was about two years. Um, but I think it's a process that can be done. Like this idea of prototyping careers that you might like can be done in as much or as little time as you want to devote to it. Like it could be done. I've heard of people, like a lot of people have emailed me from the Forbes article, hundreds about different things that they've done and different processes they were going to try. So I heard from one of them that they were doing Um, they took a week off and spent a day, one day at five companies. And also you can do informational interviews in the evening. So I think it's, it's different for everyone. And in the book, I invite people to define what, what work means to them and how they want to think about it. Because, you know, this, this was my process, but the book sort of outlines ideas for how you can make your own process or or make the process your own in in different ways. And so I think it can be done in as much or as little time as you want to devote to it.
0: You you talked about um, meeting with the Stanford professor first and in your book, you mentioned um, the importance of what he talked about in terms of minimum viable commitments as part of that prototyping of your career. Can you talk about that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So for minimum viable commitments, basically the idea was, so shadowing, I would say there's like a gradient, and I outline this in my book, or a spectrum of minimum viable commitments, i.e. commitments that can help you figure out whether or not you wanna learn more about an opportunity. Mm-hmm. So for example, you could, on the low end, you could read a magazine article to learn more about an opportunity. And on the high end, you could do an internship or a job. And in between, there's all sorts of things like informational interviewing and shadowing. And so the idea of minimum viable commitments is to outline, okay, at the start, let's say I have six or 20 careers that I'm considering. How can I, in a small, in a small way, learn more about each of them to see if I can narrow it down? So for example, you might decide to do reading an article about each career, and maybe from that you narrow it down from six to five careers. Then you might do an informational interview about each, and maybe you still stay at five that you're considering, or or maybe you narrow it to something like four. And then from there, you keep eliminating options and then go deeper into the ones that you're most interested in through doing something like a shadow experience, for example. So that's a way to make career set selection seem a little less overwhelming. Like If you have six or 20 options that you're considering, it's hard to think about doing shadows for each of them. I mean, I I do know a fellow who wrote a book. uh, He had done 52 shadow experiences, one per week over a year, which was really cool. so that's one option. Uh, or you can sort of prototype in a small way, do, do some reading, some informational interviews, and then maybe some shadowing for there, from there so that you can narrow it down and figure out which ones you want to invest time into.
0: Wow, so how does someone get started in making the decision to make that career change and then take these steps that you're talking about? And what sort of time commitment do you expect of others? I guess it would be different for everyone, right?
1: Yeah, I think it'd be different for everyone. And I think that when making the decision as to whether you want to do more exploration related to your career decisions, I think that could come from two things. One is if you're having dissatisfaction in your career and it's affecting you. And the other is if you think, well, maybe I haven't done as much exploration as I'd like to in terms of, what career I want to do, and that's something that I, I want to revisit. And then, in terms of amount of time, yeah, it's really up to each person. It could be, you know, an hour a year. It could be hours per week. Um, it really depends on sort of what what works for you. In the same way that I've heard of people starting businesses on the side of their job. And then there's other people who've said, you know, that they felt like they needed to quit to start, to devote full attention to starting a business. So I think it's, it's really up to every individual. Even if it is on this side, just what you're saying is making the
0: commitment is the most in, important thing, making incremental changes along the way. Don't rush it, take your time and really work through these steps.
1: I would say so yeah the whole idea of because I think we're we sort of go from you go through all these steps like priests well a lot most people or many people do you know preschool elementary school middle school high school and then maybe college or university and everything's prescribed and laid out but what about after that there's so many different options and there's not Unfortunately, the education system, at least here in Ontario, is currently lacking a lot of education on, you know, mindfulness, personal finance, career selection, and so forth. So I think the mere idea of making that making that decision to investigate deeply what it is you want to do can be probably the most important factor. Yeah.
0: Even if you know for a fact that you, you like marketing, but there are so many different ways in which you can be a marketer, so many different companies. And so doing the shadowing and exploring a bunch of different areas, ones ones in which you may not even think you'd be interested in, right? I mean, I never thought, for example, that I would be interested in the world of energy. I was never a science buff. I ended up taking, um, just a friend of, of, of the family was like, hey, just check this out. You might wanna be a reporter in this area. I was like, well, I don't know anything about energy. And then I ended up falling in love with it. I found out, I mean, energy's everywhere, right? The lights go on, we take it for granted. Um, little me- megawatts running around and we can't see them. But it was something that I just took a chance. It was an area that I had never explored before. And I thought, well, why not? Sometimes those why nots never let you don't know and have never done before, get in the way of something that could be possible. And that's what I think that your step-by-step process allows people to discover
1: things they didn't even know existed. Yeah, I think so. We're facing so many, we're facing a moment where there's like literally thousands of different careers and computations and permutations. and back in the day, there was a much more limited set of careers. And so today, a big problem is indecision or trying to figure out what from all these different options, because like you say, within marketing, there's social media, email marketing, so many different things that you could do. So I think the process is really a way to drill down from having all these different options to figuring out what the key ones are that you wanna investigate and learn more about. So probably the most important question is, once you figure out, you set your mind, I am committed to doing
0: this, how does someone actually um, secure those informational interviews and shadow opportunities? Do you have a template for that in
1: the book? Yeah, I definitely have a template in the book of the cold email format that I use to reach out to people. Um, just to give an overview, but the exact template is in the book. It's about reaching, I mean, what I said, and it could be different for everyone, but what I said was something along the lines of like, oh, hi there. I really admire your work. I'm a young, recent graduate who found myself dissatisfied in my corporate job. And I'm trying to figure out what to do with my life next. Would you be open to meeting with me for five minutes for coffee, just so I could learn more from you? and figure that would help me figure out what I wanted to do next. And I cold emailed that to people, I guessed their email address, and in a lot of cases, I got it right. And in some cases, they were like, Hey, how did you get this email? It's actually one that I only give out to certain people. Um, But there's there's kind of a formula for guessing it. And yeah, I was surprised and amazed that a number of them were willing to meet with me. I mean, on the surface, it sounds kind of crazy. Like why would founders of companies be willing to meet with a recent grad um, who's trying to figure out what to do with their lives? But it turns out a lot of them told me that they don't get many emails like that. And they seem to be open to sharing their knowledge and wanting to give back. So I would say a first step once you decide you wanna do this would be to outline all the different types of careers that you're interested in. Um, And actually even before that, I have a section in the book called Know Thyself because in design thinking, which I apply a lot of principles from in the book, that one of the first steps is to get to know the user and to empathize with the user before designing a product for them. And so in this case, where you're going to be designing your career, it's great to get to know yourself as the user, so to speak, of the career before outlining your different options. So there's a number of different questions that you can ask yourself to try and figure out, like try and get to know yourself better. And it may sound kind of basic, like maybe you already feel like you know yourself, but have you thought about things like, what your core values are or what your purpose and mission is. Um, oh, it looks like uh, we've lost Kim. Is, is uh, are other folks uh, still with me? Am, am I still, uh, am I still in this? Let's see, here we go. We've got some chats. Okay, cool. I'm still here. So hopefully Kim will rejoin. <laughs> um, okay. So where were we getting to know yourself as the user? Um And Kim, you're back, hello, excellent. Uh, okay, perfect, so I was just saying, yeah, it's really good to get to know yourself as the user through asking yourself deep questions, doing things like meditation, digital detoxes, um, identifying like journaling and identifying some of your key core values. And then from there, Once you have a better idea of yourself and you can go on to identify more about what you're looking for in terms of, you know, how big of a company, what kind of culture you want, what sort of location you're looking for. And from there can go on to identify some of your top choices for careers and then figure out ways to prototype them and then narrow down uh, which options you wanna learn more about. So
0: I I would imagine though, that you gotta really have a real reason when you are going to each one of them to ask them about shadowing, right? You can't just say, well, I I wanna shadow you. You have to have some sort of legitimate reason, right? In order to one, message them and then two, You know, once you go in and you're shadowing them, what do you do if you don't have that real legitimate reason and intent and your questions ready to go and your purpose ready to go? It's not going to go well for you.
1: Yeah, I think it's really good to have a reason that you want to shadow someone to the best extent that you can. Like it, it may not be the case that you have all of that together just yet, but you can have a certain amount of it together. And then you can go into it. I talk about in the book about how to go into a shadow experience in a prepared way or go into an informational interview being very prepared so that you can get out of it what you want. So first to identify what you want to get out of it and then to go into it and uh, try, try and get that out of it. And then once you're in it, to try and basically suspend judgment so that you can make the most of it. And for I'd give an example of like going on a date. If you're spending most of the time on the date thinking about whether or not you actually like this date, then it's kind of hard to judge whether it was enjoyable or not at the end. Whereas if you spend the time Um, Just being yourself and trying to enjoy the date as much as you can and then thinking about it more at the end. It actually might turn out to be a, a much more enjoyable experience for you. And I think some of the ways you can prepare for a shadow experience are to put together a package about yourself. I made a PDF about myself with what some of my key skills were and what I thought I could bring to the experience. Um, which at the time, you know i was I was offering to do admin work or whatever work they had been um, they'd been missing. I also offered to do strategy work. So different companies took me up on different aspects of that. Like one of the companies that I shouted at, I just did um, admin work, like filling out names for a week. And another company, they had me examine their marketing strategy and develop a new, for them and a new marketing strategy. So it was really interesting. And I think it was helpful to kind of know what sort of value you can offer, which I think everyone has something of value that they can offer companies, even if you don't have in-depth experience with that industry. And even if you don't have much career experience, which I didn't at the time. And were you paid for a lot of that? I was not paid for the shadow experiences. No, I was paid for some consulting that I did later on as part of the experiences, uh, but I was not paid for the shadow experiences. Although some companies did offer it to me, I didn't take them up on it because um, I was a Canadian uh, in Silicon Valley and that would have violated my visa at the time.
0: It's interesting because we're in a world where Some interns in Silicon Valley are getting like $6,000 a month um, in in salary over the course of a summer. And so there's this big competition for interns and salaries and, and things like that. I can tell you, I've never been paid for an internship. And in fact, every single time I've applied for a job, I actually would start doing the work to see if I'd even like it. But I started pretending as if today I'm actually working for them. And what I would actually be doing. And then I started sending them some of my productivity. And I would get the job just because they're like, what are we going to do with you? You're already doing the work. Like, we'll have to pay you for that. I'm like, oh no, I would even just do it for free. I didn't care. My intent was simply for my own purposes to see if I would enjoy doing what I would be doing if I had gotten the job. And I think that that's along the lines of what you're saying.
1: Absolutely. I think the companies resonated with it when I was sending them, you know, not just a resume, no cover letter, which I think, I mean, now now I'm in the position of hiring folks and sometimes I get just a resume and maybe it even has the wrong objective or company name that it's addressed to. Um, and, you know, sometimes no cover letter. And so I think they appreciated and I certainly appreciate when someone takes the opportunity to craft like a video, or a PDF, or a portfolio, or something that is targeted at that company. And I think that leads to a lot higher likelihood of them being hired. At least in my case, that's what I love to see from job applicants. If they make a custom video or a sample project, um, they move way up the list. And I think for someone to be willing to do that, that they have likely gone through sort of a culling down process to try and figure out what their top options are that they're considering, because it would take a lot of time and effort to do something like that for every company that you were applying to. So yeah, I I outline in in the book how to craft a, a pitch that can help you secure these shadow experiences.
0: So someone picks up your book, how do they use your book?
1: So they can use it. Um, I actually have it here for those that haven't seen it, although I guess it's in my background too. Um, There's a lot of key steps, like it takes you through all the steps of the process that I went through and, and that I built, which looking back on the process, I realized you know, as Steve Jobs said, you can only connect the dots going backward. The process embeds a lot of principles from quantified self, lean methodology, and design thinking. And it's a step by step process on how to go from not being sure what you want to do to being a lot more sure, and then knowing how to make yourself the best applicant or the best to be in the best position to achieve what it is that you want. And there's a lot of different exercises that I encourage readers to do that you can fill in either in the book or create your own version of them um, so that you can identify things like your core values, rate your different shadow experiences to help you really remember and understand how much you like them to help make your decisions going forward, and Yeah, I hope that I I had a number of test readers and they gave some really good feedback on it. So my goal in in writing the book is to try and help move the needle on career dissatisfaction because I feel like if 80% of people are dissatisfied with their careers, then that sort of creates a bottleneck in terms of like if you're dissatisfied, sometimes you can't produce the same amount or the quality of work that you might be able to if you were satisfied. So, and there's so many problems in the world that I'm hoping to make a small dent in helping more people find career satisfaction such that they can contribute more to the world and to solving some of the greatest challenges that are facing us.
0: And is this a book where right away you've got to read it cover to cover, or can you open the book and just about on any page or any chapter, you can get some tangible, actionable nuggets that you can apply right away?
1: I think you could do either one. I guess the way I wrote it, I was envisioning people going step by step through it, but you could certainly skip to, for example, the cold email format and get some insights right away from that. So it could be read either way. I know personally for me, how I like to read books is skip to the key points or the key chapters that I can't wait to learn more about. And then sometimes go back and read the whole thing cover to covers. Whereas other books, I like reading them cover to cover right away. So I think this book could be read in, in either way because the chapters are organized. Like there's one on you know resumes, one on interviews. So you could skip around if you wanted to.
0: And so this is a book that everyone can pick up pre-order. Can you talk about that?
1: Yeah, it's available for sale in Canada now. So it's on Amazon. It's available through my awesome publisher, Dundurn Press. Trying to point the right way to their logo. Uh, It's also available in local bookstores. For this event, we've partnered with uh, Ben McNally Books in Toronto. And on the Eventbrite page, there's the contact info for them. And it's just benmcnallybooks.com. So they have a lot of books in stock that you can order all across Canada. And I thought that would be a really cool way to support shopping local. Um, You can also email them at info at benmcnallybooks.com. And then in terms of other regions, it's launching in the U.S. on April 6th. So it's available for pre-order on amazon.com now Um, and amazon.ca, you can already buy it. Um, And then for outside of the US, um, we think that you can order through a um, company called Book Depository. So that's another way to get the book. And for anyone that's considering um, how to support the book. Um, reviews are really helpful. So if anyone's interested in doing a review on Goodreads or Amazon, that would be super amazing. Um, but yeah, those are the places you can buy the book. And if you have any questions, go ahead and put them in the Q&A. We already have
0: a loaded question from Alex Rice. Um, you mentioned the positive response you got from an authentic, specific approach to asking, foreshadowing, or information interviews. Um, I've found that being a student, an undergrad, um, and um, tends to open doors, maybe because academic projects have limited scope and lengths. What other approaches have you found helped? For example, did you send your bio in a PDF format um, in your introductory email? Um, Any icebreakers you would suggest? Do you look at mutual contacts on
1: LinkedIn? What do you think? Yeah, I think there's lots of different ways that you can go about it and They might work for different folks like for yourself or for the people you're emailing. I think what helped for me was doing a short email that was literally just a paragraph and that was mentioning some of my experiences to a certain extent and that I was looking to find something that would make me more satisfied and happy in life and in the the PDF, I sent the PDF in a follow-up email for shadowing to try and secure the shadow experiences. Um, I didn't do mutual contacts, skilled trades or icebreakers, although those could certainly be really cool options. I mean, I think any opportunity where you're sort of offering the ability to help someone out for free can often be appealing to people or just the opportunity to for them to reflect. Like if you're just ha- asking for a conversation, it can be an opportunity to, for them to reflect on why they made their choices. Like some of the folks, some of the founders that I met with had said, wow, no one's really asked me these questions. Like they asked how my company got started but not as much um, how they organized what." and chose what they wanted to do with their lives. So just merely that seemed to be a value to them, which was really cool. And Andrew is actually
0: asking, I think you answered some of this already. If hypothetically you stayed at a corporate job instead of becoming an entrepreneur, how would you use what you know now to get the most out of it?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. I think the process is really applicable to not just being an entrepreneur, but also being in a job. Um, I have a chapter on entrepreneurship, but I also have information on, like, m- most of the book is targeted towards um, towards finding a job opportunity, although there's a lot about entrepreneurship as well. Um, within a company, especially a startup or one that gives you flexibility in terms of role, you could try and prototype, what you want to do within that company by seeing if you can do some sort of rotational program. Like a lot of companies have rotational programs where you can try out different areas um, like finance, manufacturing, marketing, et cetera, of the company. Or you could see if you could schedule coffee chats or informational interviews with other colleagues within the company to try and learn more about what you want to do within the company or within your role and see what other skills and areas you might want to take on or move into. Or if you want to uh, change companies as well, you could talk to other people from other companies. And Laura has a question. What are some of your personal core values
0: you identified when finding your career path?
1: Oh, that's a really good question. So my personal core values are growth, impact, spunky i like to be a little bit spunky uh, like wear costumes and stuff sometimes Um, accountability and connection or community so those are my five core values and amy lee
0: what are some of the key learnings from these shadow experiences that empower you to build a company
1: i think some of the key learnings were you know i didn't really know how to be an entrepreneur before shadowing entrepreneurs. I didn't know how technology companies worked. And not to say that I, through those shadow experiences of a day to a week, know everything about it, but it certainly gave me a lot greater idea. Like when I was shadowing Matt Flannery, the CEO of Kiva, I got to see how his day was neatly organized into meetings on all different topics like finance, marketing, and he would sort of meet with the heads of those areas and get the key updates from them and and give feedback. So that was a really interesting way where I'd always thought about letting people be the CEO of their own position. And it kind of seemed like he was operating in that manner, which was really neat. And then I got to see how the culture of different companies like Causes was organized with uh, you know, different teams that they had, and also got to see in depth at the Stanford Design School. Um, They actually had me do screen printing for them, which was really fun. And I was like, wow, I didn't know that screen printing could be part of a daily task of working at a university. Like, that's pretty fun. I mean, it was a one-off project, but those were some of the key things that I learned. And I was also at Oh yeah, Shoka, which was really neat and a smaller startup at the time called Dojo. So I got to see how small companies operated as well.
0: And Amy also wants to know, is it on Audible yet or will it be on Audible?
1: Uh, It's not on Audible yet and not sure if it will be or not, but hopefully fingers crossed. I mean, I guess it's, partially dependent. I think on it's a good
0: point because I think that you have so many stories to tell. I think that you could, um, create, you know, a certain aspect of it, um, and tell stories to, to drive home key points, and then they can go home and read uh, and apply what they learned from you.
1: That's true. It would be great. I would, I would love to do an audio book. So stay tuned in case that becomes a possibility. And Adam is asking, at what point do you seriously, consider leaving
0: your job in favor of a new path?
1: At what point did I, or does one, I'm does just one. trying to find this. Oh, okay. Um, at what point would you con- seriously consider it? I mean, I guess having the key resources in place, like financial resources that you need to live for kind of a, a basic part of that question. And it's that, that answer is different for everyone in terms of how much they would want to have saved and what their, what their ongoing expenses are. Um, And I would also say too, um, having having an idea of what you want to do next, whether that is to figure out what you want to do next and spend time doing that, or whether you have an opportunity already identified that you want to get started with. So, I think the answer would be different for everyone. I mean, for me, it was partially pain based. I was just so dissatisfied in the corporate job. It was like really, really messing with me. And I thought, I can't, like, I can't continue doing this or I'm going to go down a pretty bad path. So, it was a combination of that plus thinking um, what, that there must be something better and also getting to the point where, um, as soon as I discovered I was dissatisfied, I went on a cash diet and minimized my expenses completely so I could pay off my debt. And then once, once I got a little bit in the green, um, that's when, that's when I got started with this. So yeah, getting to a point where you're able to do it.
0: Any final takeaways? aside from everyone, buy the book.
1: (laughs) Final takeaways. Um, Yeah, buy the book, or if there's anyone that you think would be interested in the book, you know, I would love if you wanted to buy them a copy or just tell them about the book. Um, And I think, you know, it's a really interesting opportunity right now with COVID to do this work and think more about, you know, it's the largest reorganization of education and careers that I think many of us have ever seen in our lifetimes. And so what opportunities does that mean for you? And how do you want to perhaps either stay with what you're doing or, or rethink what your values are or how you want to apply that to your career choices?
0: And we do have uh, another question. This, this actually goes right in as we wrap up here. Uh, Rob says, would you be up for doing speaking events at schools? I think it's the perfect opportunity.
1: Yeah, I would definitely be up for doing speaking events at schools or wherever else. I love doing speaking engagements. Um, so yeah, that would be great. Well, thank you so much. This
0: book is incredibly inspiring. Um, how to figure out what to do with your life. Award-winning author, Jennifer Turlich. thank you so much.
1: Thank you so much, Kim. And thanks so much to everyone that joined. It's my first book with the publisher. So I'm super excited and I appreciate everyone's support. And thanks to everyone too on here who helped make it happen and who's uh, continuing to help make it happen.
0: Thank you. And sorry to everyone for my, my computer somehow just came up with a warning signal and said goodbye and so obviously that's never happened before in my entire life and I do these interviews every
1: day so I'm so sorry for the interruption oh no worries I thought it was me at, at first I was like am I still here because sometimes I uh you know suddenly everyone everything will freeze and then I'll be out of the zoo, so I was like, "Am I still here?" And people were like, "Yep, you're still here." And I was like, "Okay, cool." <laughs> so it was all good. Yeah, no worries.
0: Amazing. Um, we had some great questions, great audience, um, and you were, of, of course, outstanding. Your stories are are literally I could listen to you for hours and hours and hours. And for those that are here, um, you're you're going to do another one of these, right?
1: Yeah, I think on April 6th, probably or around then, we'll probably do another one for the book launch or for the book launch in the US. Um, so that'll be fun as well. Probably covering a little bit of the same information, but also some different information too. So if anyone on this or anyone they know might be interested in, in joining that, it's it'll be open to uh, you know folks from all, all over, not just the US. So yeah. And
0: make sure to let Jen know that you've gotten the book because she may be choosing a few people to um, share their stories live and she will offer advice uh, live in, in some upcoming sessions. So that could be really exciting.
1: Yeah, for sure. And also if anyone is open, uh, if you get the book and are open to it, um, would love to see you know photos of you with it or photos of it in action. Um, It's been really exciting to see photos of it like in libraries or photos with the like library stickers on it and photos of it in bookstores. It's just I've I've dreamed about writing a book and having it in libraries ever since I was a kid taking out as many library books as I could and then putting it putting some more on my mom's library card when I maxed out and I love libraries and bookstores so much and I'd always dreamed about having a book there. So yeah, I'm really excited to finally have that dream come true. So thanks again, everyone, for your support with that. Fantastic. Thanks, Jen. You're amazing. Thanks, Cam, you
0: too. And likewise to everyone.